0: Friday, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Best Minutes Podcast, where each week, Movies by Minutes hosts examine the 1946 William Wyler-directed film, The Best Years of Our Lives, one minute of screen time per episode. I'm Alan Sanders from The Wilder Ride Podcast.
1: And I am Walt Murray, the co-host of The Wilder Ride Podcast.
0: And Walt, we are already at the end of our first week here. The first five minutes after today will be underneath us, and we are well on our way into this Academy Award-winning film.
1: Do you ever get the sense when we're doing these that Friday comes too fast?
0: Yeah. Well, when we start, no. But then when we get there, I'm like, yeah. "Wow, we still got a lot to talk
1: about." <laughs> so.
0: Yeah. Well, I always look back and go, "Did we cover everything?" I always have that moment when we when we wrap for the day, we come back to to drop the next episode, and I'm like, "Did we? Did we get everything? Did I miss something?" And and I guess that's always the the fear when you're doing a movie one minute at a time that you might you know. Somebody else might think, why didn't you talk about that? Or how come you missed that? Or
1: it's just hard to, it's hard to get it all. It is. And one of the things that I noticed yesterday after we got done is the rank of the guy at the, um, at the counter there. And the guy at the counter today has a different rank. He's a different level of Sergeant. So I've just forgot. I had it in my notes and forgot to mention it, but that the guy yesterday was a master Sergeant E eight. And the guy today is a sergeant E five. So uh, there's um, that little tidbit, but I thought it was important enough that I needed to mention it.
0: Now, now, where are you looking for where the the sergeant is? Uh,
1: the guy who is actually lining up the airplanes for him and stuff like that, and then ordered the guys to take the uh, part out to the to the plane. Uh-huh. And if you look at the uh, rank insignias on their uh, sleeves, they I. I
0: think it's a different
1: person. It though, is a different person. person that- the day before, it, w- it was a um, a master sergeant, and today it's right. just the guy's a sergeant. So it is. It's a different guy.
0: Well, the guy behind the desk is still a sergeant, still a three stripe sergeant from yesterday. I thought you meant the guy that came out to say, "Can I get you to help move this?" I think uh, that okay. is actually a different guy. That is a different guy. Yes, it is. But I can see where he's got a very short crop hairdo. He's got the same tan shirt, and so you might because we don't see the face. That's the weird thing. We don't actually see the face from yesterday of the guy that's at the counter. So it's an easy mistake, I think, to make that we think he's the guy that came and goes, hey, while you guys are out here, can you help me move this part? Right. Um, I, don't think it's the, I don't think it's the same guy based on the side view and stuff, but it's. I could see where you could make that mistake.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think it's the same guy. And, and the only reason I noticed was just because I was looking at their rank insignias. Yeah.
0: Well, we do get, uh, at the very beginning here, we continue uh, from that pratfall, sort of a pratfall, not, not for, for comic goofiness, just we've all been there where we're that, that disoriented kind of, we're propped up in a weird position. And all of a sudden we're like, oh, someone's calling me and I didn't realize my feet were here and I didn't realize my foot was stuck or whatever. And you just kind of try to look cool <laughs> getting back to normal. Yes. Um, we hear uh, from yesterday, you know, he called his name and just as he's coming forward, we also hear... Parish! Homer Parish! <laughs> so the choreography of this scene is actually kind of nice because just as he's stumbling forward, the sailor sits up and rocks himself forward and will eventually make his way to the desk as well. So, you know, here to the two guys yesterday sort of sleeping next to one another. They sort of made eye contact and acknowledge one another. And just as they're calling the captain, Derry, to wake him up and he's coming forward... Right on the heels, he's also calling Homer Parish when we get, oh, that's the sailor's name.
1: Yes, and, and it's interesting, too, when they walk to the counter and Fred signs his name and then he turns around and hands the pencil uh, to um, Homer, mm-hmm. uh, the expression on Fred's face when he pulls his hook out of his pocket is really great. Yeah. I mean, it is, like, he goes stone cold immediately. And that was a the perfect way to handle that. You know, it's that recognition that oh my gosh, you know, I'm trying to get home and I'm trying to rush through this. This guy is going home a totally different man than he left.
0: Well, let's get caught up on the dialogue for that moment because before we even notice and and, and the reveal of why this character from yesterday didn't bother to help and kind of got called out it's a matter, sailor? Too tired to help or whatever? As they're both making their way forward, the sergeant says, you dare And He's like, yeah. And then he goes to the guy, Parrish. And the guy's, yeah. So he says, got a call from base ops. Is a B-17 taking off for of Boone City. Probably have a long ride because she's making a lot of stops. But you get there tomorrow afternoon. That suits you? And Fred's like, yeah, sure. That's swell. And he's like, OK, sign here. And that's where you get the idea that he's got that that sense of gratitude or, uh, you know, the, our captain here uh just, he, he's gonna get home tomorrow a lot better than i guess the 19th which is whatever that date was gonna be from the right very <laughs> a beginning a of the week or
1: whatever yeah
0: but then um as he goes to sign um you know he's saying boy it's sure great to be going home and he sort of turns to home where he's like here you go sailor and then he continues
1: signing at that
0: and we realize he trails off and that's when that big reveal where you know, he's not even thinking. He's just like, here, I'll sign. And then now it's your turn to sign and sign on the dotted and can't finish because his eyes are drawn to the fact that it's the very first time we see the sailor take his hands out of his pocket. And now we know why he didn't want anybody to see his hands.
1: And I like the way that Homer handles it, is that he looks at it, looks at him and says, what? I, I don't know how to spell my own name and kind of tries to break the ice with everybody. And you know, he's not making a big deal about it. He just says, hey, you know, I can I can handle this myself.
0: Yeah. When when he when he trails off, when Fred trails off and he says uh, they, they kind of just both look, the desk sergeant kind of pauses and you see the guy already. Uh, the sailor here, Homer, has already kind of pinched the pencil and he's starting to go sign. And then the sergeant kind of puts his hand. and goes, hey, "I'll do it for you." Yeah. And this Homer's like, "What's the matter? I think I can't spell my own name?" And the sergeant kind of like, "No, I, I just, I just thought it's that weird thing where you think you're being helpful, right? And then you realize, I, maybe I, maybe I was babying you, or maybe I was, maybe I was doing more than you needed me to." Yes. You know. And I get that because some people don't know how to react around someone who's got a handicap or is, you know, physically or or has some of the, some kind of a an obvious disability.
1: Right. And I've I've been around a, a few people that have had different injuries and stuff. And I frankly, I always try to be as helpful as I can, but at the same time I know that sometimes they don't want you to be helpful. Sometimes, you know, I've got a good friend who was seriously injured in a car wreck. And uh once she started learning how to do everything for herself, she was like, Dad gum I'm doing it myself. Right. So, um, and I, you know, I think everybody, nobody tries to be insulting or whatever, you know, demeaning or anything, but um, it is something that you just don't know how to handle all the time. So, uh, well, and you know, I, I
0: don't know when it happened to me, but I, I ran into this early on when I was a kid and realized, okay, that nobody with a disability likes the idea that they're being called out, and in fact, that's probably why Homer kept his hands in his pocket. They don't want undue sympathy. They don't want people to feel sorry for them. They they don't want any of that. It's almost like the exact opposite of what everybody else thinks you would want. You'd say, oh my gosh, if somebody was hurt, I'd want to help them. And like, well, okay, I'm not hurt anymore. I've got prosthetics, yes, but I'm surviving. I'm functioning. And so uh, whenever I run into that, I always err on the side of, unless you tell me you need help, I'm going to assume that you want me to treat you just like anybody else.
1: Right. Right. Yeah, I was at a dinner party one night and a guy had um, lost a leg in a construction accident. And I his wife was there and she was kind of, you know, taking his plate down the, the serving line and he was on crutches. And um, I said, well, you know, just let me know if you need anything else. And he was like, this is driving me crazy. Uh, I've got a <laughs> And he laughed about this. So I guess I'm allowed. He said, I've got another leg on order and it'll be in any time. And then I won't have to have so much help. And I was like, that is, that is uh, interesting. And he was like, yeah, it's just kind of part of the life I have now. So, uh, but I guess the leg that they initially gave him didn't fit very well. And uh, so they had had to modify one or whatever. So, Mm -hmm. but he did. I mean, he, he didn't want help. He he didn't want people feeling sorry for him. He just wanted to be uh, normal. He just wanted to live a normal life.
0: Yeah. And and it, it goes against, it's weird because you have to sort of, you're not trying to be cold either. And that's, I think, what affects people who aren't disabled. You feel like, oh my God, if I were in your position, I'd want somebody to help me. Well, you don't know because you're not in that position. So it's weird because I get it. You want to be the nice person. You don't want to be the, you know, the jackass who's not offering to help or offering assistance to somebody. But at the same time, it's also the last thing those people generally want. Because they're like, look, I can do it. I'm,
1: (laughs) you know, I'm okay. Right. Yeah. Well, I've, I've done two rounds of six weeks on crutches. So, um, the first time around I was like, help, I can't get the door open, you know? But the second time around, I was like, I just want this over with. I don't want anybody making a big deal about it. Um, I just want it, you know, I just want to get through the six weeks and, uh, you know, so the, that second time around, I was not asking for help probably as much as I should have. Uh, but that first time I was shamelessly asking for help because I was afraid I was going to slam myself in the door and fall down again. So, um, but yeah, everybody handles it differently. And, uh, you know, being the parent of a kid with some special needs, uh, those are not always obvious when we're out, but then they'll kind of, um, you know, show themselves from time to time. And you don't want people making a big deal about it. And my daughter sure doesn't. She, she thinks that everybody else is weird and she's normal, So, (laughs) which may be true. Yeah. (laughs) um,
0: Yeah. I didn't know if you wanted to go too much into that. You've mentioned it before, but you do Mm -hmm. have a, a daughter who sort of has as her compensation is she wants to help everybody, but in a sort of, why can't we be good to each other kind of way?
1: Yeah, she does. And, Uh, She has become more um, street smart, I guess, and a little um, more wary of some people. But if she sees somebody particularly with a handicap or something like that, man, she is Johnny on the spot trying to help them and do anything that that they need. And if she sees somebody being mean to somebody like that, heaven help that person, because the wrath of God is about to fall on them. (laughs) so
0: yeah she's got a really really good developed sense of just treating people well
1: she does and she's a very intelligent kid um so some of her issues and problems show themselves in just unusual ways and um so it's uh yeah and it used to be very unpredictable for us we'd go to the store and she'd you know just have a screaming fit and everybody you know and so there, there were a lot of times it was just you almost want to wear a sign of special need parent. Just bear with me, you know, because people can get short with you and, or they assume that you've, you've done something to, you know, beat the kid or something to make them go into a fit. And, uh, sometimes it's like, no, she just needs a candy bar. Right. You know, she just needs something to kind of balance her life out a little bit for a few minutes. And, uh, and so it's, yeah, I mean, it, it is. It's a uh, it, it's something that I think a lot of times it draws attention to people who just don't want attention drawn to them. Yeah. And
0: well, and, and getting back here to the minute is when the sergeant says, you know, or, you know when, he, when Homer says back, uh, what's the matter? I think I can't spell my own name. He's like, no, I I just thought and he doesn't know what to say. And rather than let him dangle, which I think is awesome, this is just one of those nice little little moments that it helps. These are those kind of things that you pay attention when you're watching a movie a minute at a time and you really kind of look at the choices an actor makes or maybe that the director asks the actor to make. But rather than let him just sit there or stare at him, make him just kind of make him feel like even worse for even offering to help, he just goes, I know, Sarge. I know, Sarge. Like, Like, hey, I get it. No biggie.
1: Right, yep. And he he doesn't want to torture anybody. He doesn't no. want anybody to feel bad or or whatever. And I, and I appreciate that. And um, it's, it, you know, and, and I guess it is one of those things that I cannot relate to where he is and there's no way I can. So I'm not going to instantly know what the appropriate way to uh to talk to him about it is and to deal with that situation. So. Anyway, I, I just think that is a really cool scene. I think that they handled that really well.
0: Well, we, we get one more sort of, I don't want to call it a gut punch, but then he brings his other hand out to kind of steady the paper so he can actually finish signing his name. And we realize this sailor has lost both of his hands. They're they're both prosthetic. Uh, They're both metal hooks. Um, the, Fred and the sergeant do have sort of that exchange of glances, but don't say anything else. And we look at, You know, Homer, he's he's almost got a smile on his face like he's happy. I'm signing the paper that's going to let me get home.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's a great feeling. And did you know that uh, Harold Russell is the uh, is the actor and he was actually training paratroopers uh, on uh, June 6, 1944, when some TNT exploded in his hands. And that's how he lost both of his hands.
0: Yeah, I know uh, uh, you may have because I know there was so much we covered, but I, I mentioned that that. I thought initially this was an actor that was acting with some prosthetics, but he really did lose his hands. This is a true disabled actor. And, uh, and he not only got an honorary Academy award prior to the Academy, it's kind of repeating what we said earlier this week, because a lot of people thought, well, he's kind of a long shot, but his performance in this movie is so real. And so just because he is, he, he is a, disabled person who served in the military and so he's really playing himself in a way but for the camera yeah and d- did such a great job eliciting that performance that he did win the academy award as well so he got you know two academy awards for the same role
1: yeah that's really crazy and well deserved and and it's also kind of nuts that it was uh, d-day you know uh june 6 1944 that he lost his arms in a complete, you know, completely different part of the war and part of the world. But, um, but I love his picture on IMDb, on his profile. Yeah. It, you can see the hook, and he's got a cigarette in it. Right. And it's almost like a, a statement of, hey, man, it's as normal as it can be. Right. It's who I am. Accept it. Yep. And, and I wonder, too, sometimes if other people have a harder time accepting it than, and I know it's hard, and I'm not trying to diminish that at all, but uh, sometimes I think it's harder for the other people in uh, the person's life uh, to deal with and accept uh, what's going on with them. Yeah. And they, they're not different. They're not a different person. They just have this issue. Exactly. As he finishes signing up the paper, and, and it's almost where you
0: wonder if, this, if, if it was a, a cinema scope uh, had been invented by this point, if we had an extra wide version of this film. The sergeant sort of looks off to one side because it kind of threw me for a second because as he finishes signing up, you go, he says, uh, the sergeant from behind the desk says, hey, Joe, you'd better hurry up out there because she's taking off soon. And then you kind of get right to the edge of the frame. Another guy comes in, almost like it's a third person that is supposed to be either helping him get to the plane or somebody else is supposed to be on the plane. But obviously our two main guys here are <laughs> not ma- named Joe. Right. right. <laughs> Yep. So I don't know if that, did that throw you at all when he goes, Hey Joe, you better hurry up because you know, the plane's taking off
1: soon. It did. I was trying to figure out who he was talking to. And I wonder, you know, when I've been overseas in Asia, they call everybody Joe. Cause it's like GI Joe, uh, particularly in the Philippines where uh, the U S military occupied that area for a long time. Mm-hmm. I I got called Joe 5,000 times and I even had a guy one time say, hey, Joe, what's your name? So it, it's kind of like, I think at the time it was a little bit more of just a common term for somebody in the Army. Yeah,
0: I can see that, except we do have the guy that comes in from off the far frame, and we know that the sergeant is looking off in that direction. What's weird about the framing is when this looks like a grunt, sort of a, I don't know if it's a private, or because we don't see rank but he's obviously not an officer. He's uh, he's not wearing uh, Class A's at all. He's wearing sort right. of just kind of almost like basics. Um, he actually disappears behind the sergeant's head for a second and never says anything, and then they all turn, and he's the uh, first yeah. one to leave for the door.
1: Yep, I got you. I hadn't noticed that before.
0: Yeah. So uh, what I love about this moment about Fred, while that's happening, Fred is... In an instant has, okay, gotten over the shock of seeing someone who's lost their hands, both arms, or both, you know, at least from the forearms down. They're, they're disabled. The person seems to be okay with it. Tells them don't worry about it. Doesn't leave them feeling weird about it. And then when they're getting ready to get on the plane, and, you know, there's that, there's that moment to help kind of break the, the tension of whatever's going on. He's like, Joe, you better hurry up, get out there. Uh, you hear right? Thanks, Fred is also saying back, and he turns to him and goes, "Come on, sailor!" And as they're both turning, claps his arm around his back like, "Hey, we're both going to the same place. Where's your stuff?" You know? Yeah. And right, you get the get. I I said this yesterday. You realize, Fred at the very core is just a decent human being. He's a good guy. At least it's coming across that way early on in the movie.
1: Yeah, that's definitely the feel I get for him.
0: So they move o- move their way over to where they'd been sitting in the corner there. And I love the sailor's sea bag has been laying there and the dude's sleeping against the dude's. He's <laughs> right. Like, he's like, excuse me, corporal. <laughs> Get your ass <Right>. up. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. That is really funny. I do think it's uh, kind of cool that the, the guy just kind of moves out of the way and he just kind of he doesn't even bother getting up to help or anything. He just. Oh, oh you kind of, you know, had me sitting. I was just sitting here, and now uh, now I got to move uh, over and let you grab your bags. Um, I, I did want to look at something really quickly. At the very beginning of the shot, I don't think he's leaning anywhere close to the bags.
1: Oh, uh, the, the corporal that is sleeping on him?
0: Yeah. It's sort of like they restaged it. If you look at the very beginning of the minute when they get up, he's close to where the bags are, but it looks like he's leaning more against the wall. It's really hard to catch it because it is hard as the, goes by as the really guys quick. move forward. Yeah, as the guys move forward, the sergeant sort of blocks them, but it doesn't look like he's leaning against the bag. It looks like he's leaning with his back against the wall. And then as the scene has been you know reset and shifts, he's now more of an angle and he's leaning against the bags.
1: Yeah. And it, yeah, and it is really hard to see because they move pretty quick right there.
0: Yeah, it's it's a subtle thing, and I think maybe the director may have said something like, "Okay, for this shot, why don't you go ahead and lean more on the bags, give them something to do?" Uh, Because when they first stand up, it's pretty obvious he's not leaning directly on the bag, but the camera's been moved a couple of times. We have a closer shot inside the desk area, and so the actor, uh, more than likely, you know, just kind of moved into the right position to for, for the for this moment when they turn around because. When they where they where the camera is when, at the very beginning of the minute and they're walking forward, um, you know, it kind of just tracks on them. But then, as soon as Fred grabs the pencil to sign his name, the camera shifts to a much tighter shot. It comes closer to where it's more of the three of them taking the taking up the full side of the screen right. being a separate shot, you know, it, it may, who knows, and you've been on you've been on sets before. They may have broke for lunch and came back reset for, you know, the back half of this scene. You just you sometimes don't know, but uh, the actor in the background, the corporal that has to be <laughs> get up, corporal. Uh, definitely by the end of the minute is resting alongside more of the. It looks more of Derry's uh, bag than than necessarily the sea bag, but he's definitely leaning against their luggage.
1: Yeah, he is, and I, and you know you could have done with or without that, but it did add a little bit more of flavor uh, of what this is uh, to that scene.
0: So. You know what I like about what we're seeing here as as we're wrapping up this minute is we get a lot packed in. You get the the shock of, you know, the sailor that's disabled. You get the exchange between the three folks, the 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 captain we met earlier, Fred Derry, the sergeant who's trying to get them their ride. And now we get introduced to Homer. But at the end of this minute, you get the sense these two guys, they both know they're going to be on the same plane. They're going to the same place together. They're both from the same town. They may not have known each other because we said yesterday Boone City is really Cincinnati. So huge city. You could have multiple you know, ser- people serving in the war from that city and not know that they came from your city. And you already get the sense that the two of them are going to at least be connected moving into the next minute here uh, as they both are traveling back home together.
1: Yeah. And they also there is kind of a there are a couple of gaps here too. the age gap because Fred's obviously older than him. Uh, He's probably also been to college and been in the military a while in order to reach the rank of captain, where Homer is a pretty young guy, uh, probably joined the military right out of high school or even before he graduated. And so they're, they're in two different branches of the military. So they're really coming from two totally different worlds, but all of a sudden in this one moment, they bond.
0: Yeah. There is uh, just a couple of things that happen also that really let you see what a good guy Fred is. And actually what I think is a good guy Homer is. Because as we wrap up and they are picking up their bags and, you know, we already said, you know, Fred says, hey, excuse me, corporal. And uh, he confirms, hey, Boone City is your home sailor. And this and Homer says, yes, I can. Not only yes, sir, recognizing him as an officer but then adds his rank. Yes, sir, Captain. And the very last thing we get is Fred's character says,
1: Forget the rank, chum. I'm out.
0: Forget the rank, chum. I'm out. Like, I get I'm wearing the uniform, but you know what? I don't care if I was the officer or you're enlisted. It doesn't matter. We're both out. We're both going home. We're all equal. Right. Right. And I think that was just a nice touch. I mean, again, we, we packed this into one minute, but we get the shock, we get the the acknowledgement. Homer doesn't make a big deal out of it, so Fred doesn't make a big deal out of it. And then they both are talking about going home and then when the the junior, rep, you know, the junior military member recognizes the rank and the position and shows the courtesy, Fred's like, "Hey, you know, it's, it's like I can I appreciate it, but don't worry about it, man. I'm out."
1: Well, one thing about the military that I've always thought was interesting was the way that people subordinates treat Officers and officers treat subordinates. And two things I think where you see the typical way of treating each other uh, flips over is for men with purple hearts and well, men or women with purple hearts or the Medal of Honor. And if you are a private and you have the Medal of Honor, the general salutes you. And in this case, you see... The captain, all of a sudden, deferring uh, to Homer here because of what he's sacrificed.
0: Yeah, you know how you mentioned that line about from Band of Brothers. It's you salute the rank, not the person. I think in that example where you're talking about something significant, like a Silver Star or Medal of Honor or some you know distinguished combat medal, something that shows you went through something really significant to earn that. It's acknowledging, it, it, regardless of rank. When you when you say the general acknowledges the private, it's it's acknowledging the award.
1: That's right. That's right. And one thing I, I heard a Medal of Honor winner say one time, or you know, a, a Medal of Honor awardee say, is that you don't win the Medal of Honor; you receive the Medal of Honor. And his point was is that you know you're not out there trying to get it. But right. the things that you happen to do in a moment uh, is acknowledged by the men that you serve with and uh, serve under as being exceptional. And I think that it's kind of that same recognition here that, you know, we've, I mean, both of these guys, uh, Fred and the sergeant, we've served our country. We've served our country in a war. But this guy, has made a huge sacrifice that I didn't have to make.
0: Right. Right. No, it's uh it's an amazing thing. And and you know we we use that term band of brothers, which actually comes back from Shakespeare from Henry V. Uh, where he's talking about these guys uh his his army and here's this king who's put himself among the common soldier and He's trying to motivate them for one last big battle. They're on foreign soil. They're a long way from home. They've been through, they've been through other battles. They're tired. They're hungry. Their, their lines are thin. Their logistics are running out. And he tries to motivate them. And he talks about how if you guys fight along with me today, we few, we happy few, we band of brothers will forever remember this day. And that term, band of brothers, is sort of always emblematic of When you've gone through combat, when you've gone through actual the 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 crucible of warfare, it creates a bond that nobody else can understand unless you've been through it.
1: No, and I have always tried to understand it, and uh, but I think I think you're right. It's something that unless you have been there, uh, you'll never know what it really means.
0: You and I respect it because it's just who we are. I mean, we. But I mean, I served. But I was never in combat. I don't know what it's like to have to be in a firefight or in a situation where people are being mortally wounded and you're doing everything you can to just work as your team to get out of there alive. Um, And that is something that you can try to imagine, but there's no way you can until you have.
1: Right. And I... um. I was actually in a situation where someone attempted a mass shooting when I was in Asia and uh, he got a couple of shots off and then a bunch of people jumped on him and he was probably 20 feet from me. And I've so often thought about how I reacted in that moment where it was complete surprise and, and shock. And then five minutes later, when you really realize what happened and the threats over, you kind of have that come down. But if you're in combat, that's like every day and every minute that you are under that pressure. And when you are serving with a group of guys that are under that pressure day in and day out, protecting each other, keeping each other alive, uh, that is a powerful thing.
0: Yeah, it sure is. And I think, you know, as sort of this wrapping up our discussion here as we're wrapping up this week, we get... I think that acknowledgement between these two characters in this minute.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And we don't, we don't know yet what Fred has been through, but we get a glimpse into what Homer's been through and uh, that acknowledgement that, you know, wow, this is, this is really something unique.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, great start to the movie it's it, it has already thrown some of my preconceived notions this week of what I would have thought would have been the reception of people here back in the states how an officer might have been treated by civilians and, and how the officers being treated by fellow enlistees who are junior ranks and uh and we're getting a sense of the characters we're getting a sense that you know this is a different kind of I don't I, I I, I guess it's still technically a war movie, even though it's not about battle. It's post-World War II, but it's a different kind of story we're going to have.
1: Yeah, it, it really seems that way. Well, do we have anything
0: else you want to add about this minute before we uh, get ready to enjoy the weekend and you and I get to come back next week and dive into this movie some more? I think we've covered it pretty well. I'm looking forward to next week. All right. Well, why don't we, before uh, I close out the week, uh, let everybody know where they can find out a little bit more about us and our podcast called The Wilder Ride.
1: Yeah, there are plenty of places you can go, but I would suggest that you uh, hit our website, which is thewilderride.com, and that you, from there, uh, also go over and look at our Facebook page, which is The Wilder Ride on Facebook, facebook.com slash the wilder ride, and join our listeners group. Our listeners group, we have uh, all kinds of discussions about movies and Gene Wilder and all the stuff that we've covered in the past and things that are uh, coming out. Um, but it's no politics, no none of that stuff. Just good fun. And then you also want to check out our Patreon, uh, Patreon.com/slash The Wilder Ride, and we have a bunch of content that we have initially put behind the paywall, but with COVID and everything else, right now it's out there free. And it also gives you some um, some opportunities to help us out if you want to.
0: Well, come on back next week. It's Friday, so you get the weekend off. If you need to catch up and binge a little bit, that's great. Uh, I do want to do a quick shout-out since we're at the end of the week because there are over 170 other Movies by Minutes podcasts, and a lot of the folks behind putting those, those Movies by Minutes shows and episodes out are helping to collaborate on this project. We just happened to kick it off as the first group, but a quick acknowledgement of the groups that will follow us after next week will be the Rocketeer Minute, the Indiana Jones Minute, Two Minute Terminator, MASH Minute, Father David Maori, who will bring an individual guest over each of his minutes, the Point Break Minute, Ghibli Minute, Apollo 13 Minute, Cock and Bull Minute, the Real Jaws Minute, Better Off Dead Minute, Bull Durham Minute, Five Minutes of Banzai, the Marine Corps Movie Minute, Deep Blue Sea Minute, and the Jay and Silent Bob Minute. All those shows are worth checking out as well as the other 170 other shows that have all been based on the Movies by Minutes format. If you want to learn more about all of those, you can go to moviesbyminutes.com. And to learn a little bit more about this particular production or maybe even get involved on the social media side, you can go to the bestminutes.com website or check out the Facebook listeners group Butch's Place, the best years of our lives, listeners cafe. And if you're a Twitter user, Find us on The Best Minutes on Twitter. And come back again next week on Monday for a brand new episode of The Best Minutes Podcast. I almost feel like we shouldn't do anything silly. I know. It's kind of a heavy moment. It was. It was a heavy moment, but at the same time, it wasn't so heavy that it became maudlin. It just became an acknowledgement. Not everybody came home, you know, all in one Well,
1: place. and he, he did a good job of not only letting Fred and the sergeant off the hook, but... He kind of also let us off the hook a little bit, too.
0: Hey, watch with your reference of letting off the
1: hook. (laughs) Yeah, that was not what I meant.
0: Hey, Joe, you better hurry up out there, because she's
1: taking off soon. Right, thanks. Come on, Taylor.
0: Okay. (laughs) Yeah. There's, Sorry, there's I...
1: Walt, adding <laughs> adding a gem to the show. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's me with my huge intellectual insight there, trying to figure out what the next thing that happens was. So, yeah, I never live in the moment. <laughs> you know, I've, I've got to live a moment ahead. Sorry. <laughs>